As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to the Earth Keepers podcast. We're making our way through season four as I've been welcoming a series of guests to join me in some thought-provoking discussions about where exactly humanity is headed and how we can collectively create the future we'd like to see. It's my deep hope that these conversations will stir something within you or perhaps light a spark in your imagination for what you might be able to bring forward from the depths of your imagination into this reality, into our new reality. In today's conversation, we literally go to the source, to the creation of our universe, to remember that each of us are incredibly powerful creators through sound. Now, if you've never heard vocalist, composer, performer, and multi-instrumentalist Maria Stark's music before, you are in for a treat. But before we jump in, if you're feeling inspired to go deeper on this journey and you want to support the work it takes to bring this podcast to life, I'd love to have you join me in the Earth Tenders Academy. The Earth Tenders Academy is my online course and community where you can learn more about the history and energy of the community that you live in, hold space for the healing of humanity and nature, remember more about your specific gifts and role with the Earth, and see the true magic held in your everyday environment. I invite you to step into this portal with me and hundreds of other Earth Tenders from around the world. Tap the link in the show notes to learn more about the Earth Tenders Academy and join us in this beautiful community. And now, on with the show. Maria Stark's songs are a transmission. Tapping into another place and time.
mystical, magical music always taps into a deep point of remembering in my body and my soul. The memory of sound as the creation point of the universe. In our conversation, we talk about the ability of sound to rearrange reality or create new reality. And I'm reminded that in 2013, a NASA space telescope actually heard the sound of the ancient universe. Listen. These sounds show that 13.8 billion years ago, before there were stars and galaxies, our universe was just a ball of hot plasma made up of a mixture of electrons, protons, and light. Until, bang, sound waves shook this infant universe, triggered by minute or quantum fluctuations. According to NASA, as these sound waves rippled through the young universe, they left imprints on matter and light, much like the patterns made by waves on the surface of a pond to which a stone has been dropped. By mapping this ancient light that has traveled to us through space and time, NASA's space telescope could essentially see the sound echoes of the early universe. Pretty incredible, right? Now, what science is saying is that sound created our universe. But isn't that what ancient cultures and religions have been saying for thousands of years? In the Old Testament, God created through his words when he said, let there be light. The Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even in Egyptian literature, the Creator God pronounced the names of everything. But is it possible that we've been so busy focusing on the power of the God Creator in these verses that We've missed what's actually being said. That the universe was created through sound. And it didn't stop being created on that one eventful day. Creation continues every second of every day through sound. Every one of us, 
being made in the image of our creator, holds this incredible power within us to create through song and sound and voice, which Maria does so beautifully. But as you'll hear her share, you don't have to perfect your voice or your songs to be heard by the trees and the waters and the land. We can step into our imperfections and awkwardness to share from our heart and maybe even rearrange reality as we know it. And so with that idea in mind, I leave you now with my conversation with songstress Maria Stark. Well, welcome, Maria, here to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so excited to have you join us today for this conversation. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, let's just jump into our conversation because, you know, I I saw an Instagram post that you had where you were talking about the power of sound to make, break, or rearrange reality. And so I really wanted to just start talking about the power of our voices and any thoughts you have about uh, sound really working in that way. Amazing. Well, that quote, that's a Jonathan Goldman quote, just to shout out Jonathan Goldman, who said that sound can make, break or rearrange molecular structures and reality in, um, in a documentary called Out of the Silence, which is a project of mine. And he said that many years ago, and it's just been this magical mantra <laughs> inside of my, inside of my mind since then. And um, yeah, sound. You know, when I peer into the, the mystical looking glass of of how I understand reality to arise, vibration is a key element of that. And I imagine it's like vibration and memory somehow <laughs> together and pre- and what's happening in the present moment. They all configure somehow into this arising moment. And so when I consider sound or vibration frequency as a core player in that, then it becomes something to build deliberate, dedicated connection with. feels like this, oh, wow, there's this element of I get to be in relationship and and collaborate and cooperate with frequency not that I'm controlling everything necessarily because there's so many things that come out of nowhere (laughs) and I don't necessarily want to take responsibility for every freaking frequency in the universe although I think you you could you could go meta and go that big Um, but in my sweet little earthling incarnation it feels sweeter to just be like wow there's a lot of frequencies coming from me, coming around me, and what is the meeting point where I get to be in response with uh, sound. And so that's sort of the philosophy that I move with. Also, I'm a big, um, one of my big stories that I like to come back to is the great myths of sound creating the universe, that some universal intelligence is hanging out, making music, and we're all the emanation of that great cosmic symphony. And when I lean into that mythos, into that poem, it it becomes for me a, a place of solace in a wild, crazy world. And it, it gives for me something to do. 
especially as I manage entropy, because I feel like entropy is just one of these constant um, factors in in life digesting itself and creating and coming apart and creating coming apart. And when I notice that I feel sort of lost by, by the entropy, uh, uh, entropic forces coming back to sound gives me something to participate in that helps me feel connected to my spirit, to the great cosmic force, to my body And it gives something for my mind and imagination to connect to that feels wholesome, that feels balancing, that feels um, like it's supporting my system to come into a homeostasis and supports my actual frequency and vibration to, to regulate so that I can move in the world with, um, an orientation that I think is supportive and co and collaborative and co-creative. I feel like if I'm in an entropic kind of, you know, my nervous system can get um, overwhelmed. I feel like my, my whole, this, the song inside my body is a little bit chaotic and it just even remembering like, Oh wait, hold on. Sound is a factor. Let's, let's tune in. Let's move some sound through my vocal cords. Let's get my nervous system humming uh, in connection with my intention and my heart and and coming back to things that feel safe and feel wholesome and feel, um, yeah, just being inside of the sweetness of life. And it's a very simple tool and it's something that ha- helps me come home to myself over and over and over and over and over. I love that. And really feels almost like a two-way conversation with the universe and everything that's that's around us yeah that's a beautiful thought thank you yeah I mean I imagine I again it's that thing of like wow if 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 creative essence is constantly arising and I get to participate in um in relationship with it 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 does create agency and it 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 gives for me, purpose within a realm that otherwise could seem very frightening and chaotic. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, the conversation that that always tends to come up around creativity, uh, you know, is really this idea of the muse and Mm. where some of these ideas or these creations come from how do you perceive the muse as a being and make space for it in your life it's a great question it's one of my favorite questions and it's constantly changing um you know when I first started connecting to this essence that I started to call the muse um, I had already been creative for creating for a while and, and having these radical st- um, state experiences like whoa just like looking into the mirror of of god force and 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 the unknowable presence of of infinite possibilities and like that had been going on for a while and then suddenly it started to be relational like there was a re- there was 
there was the, at first it started just this energy of all is, and like, I am with the all is, and there was something about that potency that was where it started, but then it started to feel more like, oh, wow, maybe there's some other kind of energy available. Like there's like a, we are in this, there's this, this feeling of, cause the muse qual energy started to change. Like it felt almost as if I, there, I was in the presence of very specific defined characters. <laughs> and I, whether those characters were coming from my deep unconscious or whether the characters were, were ghosts that were like trapped in the realm that were looking for an open vessel to have some interaction with, to tell, get their story told, or whether the the presence was some collective ghost or some collective story or, or archetypal energy. And even just questioning those things became a really cool path of exploration of, well, what are archetypes? Well, what are parts of self? Well, what, what is the difference between something that exists in me versus something that exists in the collective like how are those things different differentiated and it it became this like wild exploration of um of manifestation and energetic um phenomenon and otherworldly beings or beings that exist in like a multidimensional way now as i've been playing with that in a lot a lot of times it does feel that sometimes songs or ideas feel like they come fully formed and and I am participating in uncovering them. And that feels always like a gift. Like I'm being, there's like a gift that is being presented that I'm choosing to um, be a translator of that does feel like, well, there's actually like some uh subtle realm being that is I'm in communication with. And sometimes that <clears throat> changes based on what we're, we're talking about, but somehow let's call that being a muse. And sometimes the muses change based on what I believe now, what parts of my own unconscious or psyche or where the collective stories live in the fabric of my inheritance as an incarnate being that like they tap into those parts and resonate different parts of me at the same time. So there's this like strange, <clears throat> almost like fourth dimensional tesseract, like, co like conversation happening with this, this, this being who's also tapped into something inside of me that wants to be revealed, whether it's my shadow or whether it's a part of myself that hasn't developed all the way and then every once in a while, there are things that come through that feel like they have nothing to do with me, that they just feel like an interesting story, but that I have deep emotional response to the story. And so I feel like my emotions that now are being played upon and like images and pictures are showing up and I'm just sort of like drawing, like writing them down. And all of these are feel very different, but also very fun. Then there's these muses that feel like some part of my future self that is trying to communicate with who I am now and is like presenting a specific um, archetypal 
character energy arc that is like takes me through some mythical journey for years sometimes as I fall apart and, and become someone new and then we we together document the journey of transformation through whatever art process I'm in at that time. And all of these, again, feel very different and the distinct um, collaborations with this so-called energy of muse. And at the same time, it all feels like this, this sweet creative energy that is just trying to play with me. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll find whatever way possible to play. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until you were kind of saying it in that way, but in thinking of the idea of kind of timelines, especially with these songs that are fully formed, like mm -hmm. how much of that is this tapping into the place, the time where that song is complete right? And just bringing it straight through as opposed to, a being as you're saying kind of interacting and maybe playfully giving you hints and clues and ideas and thoughts and pictures that you then kind of craft into something right and sometimes it feels like it's hard work to really craft it takes some kind of like whittling and like chiseling and fucking up and starting over and throwing it all you know it's like it's hard work you work for it and then other ones they just pop all the way in you're like wow that thank you it was like a <laughs> kind of like some interesting lucid dream that you just got to witness and you happen to document it you know well that day <laughs> yes yes <laughs> I think we all feel that way sometimes certainly or even yeah. after dreams of being able to capture like you say like the essence of what you're seeing or experiencing, but kind of while in another realm and another space. Yeah, I think it's like the aha energy, like aha, like the I, the energy of a good of an idea of like certain synapses coming together and then creating this aha, like a, a idea consciousness. I think of all of the great ideas that have ever been realized, and was it that person's idea or was it that they had the appropriate foundation in order to see something that already existed and maybe they were the first one to see it and document it but then as soon as they were able to name it in present time then 20 people could see it and then know it and then the synapses were made and then the idea lives as a collective knowing rather than one person's brilliant idea and I, I wonder about that with muses too. It's just like, okay, well, are these my, you know, ideas or it's just like, oh, my experiences were set me up in order to make the connections. And then once they're shared, they become part of um, the collective dream and story. Well, on a specific note, you have an album coming out on September 1st and you have a song. Is it called How? How? How did the song? I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> How did the song kind of speaks mm -hmm. to this and to this idea of all these different ways that uh, songs and poetry, writing, whatever comes to us. And so can you share a little bit about how some of those songs you found came through to you on that album? Oh, yeah. Well, that album, Weightless, I... Um you know, they, of course, they all come, come a little different. That song, How Did the Song, which is my ode to the muse, my ode to the songwriting muse. That song came, I was in a songwriting 
workshop and we were I was being invited to like zoom in and I had written all these little song bits about zooming in real close and telling the little stories about something and there was just something about that invitation that that opened up the door to zooming like really thinking about zooming in tell the details like all of these songs and like I feel that that song sort of is an archival synopsis of how songs have come over the years for me at least um painting and the rest of the songs you know that on that album came in a lot of different ways, like um, Cloudburst, which is a song I just adore on that record, came because I was studying the way water moved in the world. One of my friends had shared with me that water takes a thousand years to move through the planetary Earth cycle. And her and I, Heather um, Beckett, and I were, were musing on this in different parts of our storytelling. And there was just one little vignette that popped in about this, the lake and the, the clouds and them falling in love. And just like the, the way that that water then became animate and took on a life of its own. But it was inspired specifically by doing a chi, an I Ching reading where I had read um, a story and right, I'd cast the I Ching and what it shared was about inspiration, like certain people coming to our lives as rather than being like someone that lives with us forever and is like a core foundational part of our lives. They like pass like a rain cloud on the lake as like a rain of inspiration. And I just thought that that was so beautiful and kind of heartbreaking. And I thought of people I've loved in my life that did come like a rain on the soul. Um, and there, that part that you're like, Oh, we want to hold on to that feeling of euphoria of the arrows of that encounter forever. But sometimes those moments are just bleeding almost just like rain, like the, like a cloud, you know, has to move on. Like it's, it's designed to rain everywhere. It's not just you, you it's not just going to sit at the lake for a thousand years and rain there. <laughs> um, that's how that song came. I'll pick one other song from that record. Keep the light on, which is um, came out in, in uh, March. This song I wrote, um, Actually, while I was recording my album Sapphire, I was in a recording retreat for a week. I I lock myself up sometimes for a week without the internet so that I can get work done, <laughs> so I can get art done um, in a in a intensive, dedicated way and stay in the stream with specific bodies of work. I find I love working that way and. And I wrote that song while I was recording Sapphire. Keep the light on. I wrote it in the middle of the night. This sort of popped out and that was a song that was one of those that came out that popped out fully formed it wasn't something that um I thought about I, I had like kind of thought about the idea of keep the light on in other songs maybe a, a month before but they were darker and not like this like sweet little fairy song but then this sweet little fairy song popped out actually it was a third of three songs that all got written in the same sort of hour I wrote three songs back to back and that was the third one. And that that's just kind of a funny thing to think about. Sometimes songs, you know, they there there are songs that feel like stepping stones to get to the real treasure. And that's why when I encourage songwriters to like don't don't believe the hype that every song you write has to be good because the two songs that came before that one were not great songs. They're not songs I'll ever record or share or learn, you know, they were just these expression moments but they were leading somewhere and they were opening 
opening the gate, so to speak, for this sweet little song to come in. And so that was how that one came. And I, you know, that one is out now. It has a beautiful music video that one of my dearest collaborators, Tessa Shields, produced, and we love it. It's a magical fairy song. And I feel like with Weightless, a lot of the songs on here, there is not like a coherent narrative. I wanted this album to be a little bit lighter after, you know, we recorded in during lockdown and I had just released Sapphire and I had just been sort of kind of exposing my soul to a deep kind of intense mythos. And I wanted an album to just be a little sweeter, a little lighter, a little more weightless. And so this album feels that way. It's like the songs are lighter and and there's some humanity, there's some raw vulnerability on the songs that are going to come out when the album drops. Um, but it does it, it feels like more human maybe than some of the other albums I've put out that feel more archetypal. This one feels more human to me. Yeah. And what a sweet little fairy song too. I love it. And I listened to it again this morning, uh, preparing for our conversation. And I realized as I was walking around the house afterwards, that I was humming it. It was stuck, stuck in my head on, <laughs> yes. on repeat, on a loop. It's just, but it feels, you know, uh, as somebody who's familiar with kind of fairy energy and connecting with that, it, like it feels like that energy. And, and so funny too that it came in a in a set of three songs right that even feels very fairy like that um, <laughs> it is that kind of light funny um uplifting uh song and it it feels it feels like a song you know that would be sung in a round um uh-huh. and that's kind of how it was, was repeating in my head so yeah oh, but yeah. a lovely gift <laughs> from you and the fairies <laughs> oh thank you yeah I love singing that song in a round too with all the voices And speaking of, yeah, I get the impression that you really enjoy collaboration um, and collaborating with, with other musicians. You have lots of kind of different projects going on. Um, but I was curious to know, what do you feel kind of shifts when you're singing in a group like that versus by yourself? Well, for me, I grew up in choir. And so I am, um, I've always loved singing in what what can happen with with two or more voices is that especially when voices are strong and can really be hold themselves compellingly in proximity to each other there's just such powerful um angles <laughs> that form almost these like meta geometries of power and beauty 
And it's almost like you can go deep. It's, it's a quality of listening and staying in the center. It's a quality of, of different kinds of movements that get to happen. If you're not the one just holding everything down, you're like, Oh, someone else is holding down the main thing. I can like lean in over here. And, um, the more voices, the, the more dynamic and interesting, some of the polyrhythms can start to be and the flavors of, of, the chorus can come alive. And, you know, when you listen to nature, there are beautiful songbirds that sing their song, you know, and it, there's, and it's incredible to hear the, the song of a single melody in the lark. Um, but then sometimes you hear like the, the chorus of, of birds all singing together or the chorus of, of the, the, the symphony of crickets and frogs and, and the wind and the way that the wind blows through a whole forest of trees that creates this whole other feeling and not one is better than the other. I mean, I think there's plenty of room in creation for all kinds of sound magic to happen. Um, and I just love, love, love participating in the, the kind of magic that can happen only when multiple voices come together and are, are listening and feeling each other. And, and when kind of almost like the ego identity of whose voice is whose leaves a picture and this other body of sound can move through the collective channel. I just think that that's so potent and it connects me to something very primordial that feels really um, like home, like being like a basket, like weaving a basket, <laughs> the, bra the, bra the many braids of, of the basket and all of the songs of, of, of all the ancestral songs are woven in that way. And it's, I love it. I love poly poly polyphony. I love what it does to the, to the, listening like I love listening to the sound of multiple voices and feeling spatially what that does and almost like I it creates this this rather than this like kind of penetrating singular melody that I follow it creates this the a room of sound that I'm immersed in and it just affects my nervous system differently and bubble body differently and it it feels so fun to to receive and to to play in Plus, you know, my I have amazing collaborators and I have for many years had incredible collaborations that have just helped me become a stronger artist because you meet other artists who are powerful and in their center and strong and have developed different skills than you and you can just be in proximity to greatness and then also express um, there's something that I feel like that strengthens for me, my own core when I'm around other really strong artists that feels um, very uh, uplifting and supportive to the greater story that I have for myself as an individual artist. And I'm learning more of my own skill sets and muscles and getting to play with different people who have different gifts and skills. You know, you get to just like, whoa, like, it's almost like whole different skills of creativity come when you're, for me, when I'm responding to someone else's um, field in the room, like I get to know parts of myself that I might may have stayed dormant or quiet or not, not had a chance to get developed because they weren't um, being resonated with, but with different people that I know and love and have cherished collaborative times that they're, online with certain things that bring out things in me that may have been 
dormant or atrophied or maybe got shut down or have just never had a, a place to have a conversation creatively. Yeah. And, you know, I had this picture in my mind while you were talking about that really of not just kind of the, the resonance of the sound moving through and out of our own body, but mm-hmm. all of those, you know, kind of collective resonances are then coming into our own bodies at the same time. This really beautiful exchange of energy. Yeah. Exchange of energy. And I think like, again, artists are so interesting and unique and there's something again that whenever we're in relationship with others, you get to really enjoy and savor the variation that is provided by creation and also grow in response to variety and grow in response to the, like the creative tension that exists when there are differences of opinion or differences of looking at things and you can stay oriented towards the the common vision or the common goal then those different those creative tensions become this battery of energy and power and and potential transformation and invigorating energy that can create things really rapidly i think i think creation likes creative tension i think nature likes that magnetic uh, resonance that that brings people together and there's a charge and something gets made. I mean, I think all, all of life gets made from that charge. Um, and so that's one of the, the reasons I love collaborating is because I get charged up. I like charging other people up. I like the, 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 the quality of electricity that exists and in connection to other people. And I love being by myself <laughs> too. I also, I love creating time for, where it's just me and my own um, solitary exploration place and where I'm not being influenced by others. And I like those things equally. And I like to go back and forth between those things so that I can get strong and then find, you know, find my individual center again with new information and then go out there and like find and, and get strong again, awaken new parts and then come back in and, and play with those parts. Yeah, well, and you touched just a bit there on kind of interacting with nature in that way. And, you know, I noticed that a lot of the songs on this current album you were saying were um, written in 2020 when we had, you know, really a lot of kind of collective unrest, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Um, Uncertainty, I guess, would would be a better word. And that a song that you wrote with your group Starling Arrow is mm. Hush Hush, where it really was a conversation or an imagined or real conversation with, with the nature spirits about that time. So yeah. can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. So Starling Arrow is the collective of myself and Leah and Chloe of Rising Appalachia and Tina Malia and Elenario and the five of us um, gathered at the beginning of lockdown and started is keeping each other sane through writing songs every week uh, with each other and didn't know where it was going to go. But the first topic that we chose when we decided, okay, let's, let's create some songwriting um, sanctuary for ourselves. It was, the topic was 
specifically what are the nature spirits saying about coronavirus? That was the prompt. And so hush, hush was my take on that, which was all about, yeah, the, I, I wrote it as a conversation between someone who was in the angst and the existential kind of opening, crashing around it. And then the response of the nature spirits, which were just sweet response to trust beyond the collapse. And when I think about it now, it's, it's, it's the like ache of depression and confusion. And then the nature coming and being like, (laughs) not like, don't stop wailing, but it was like, it's going to be chill. Like if you remember to tune in with the, the wild unknown, then and peace will prevail. And I think about that now. It was such a healing song for my nervous system because that lockdown cycle was so complex and my nervous system went into such an interesting sort of collapse energy. And just to know that being with the wild and being with nature is such a potent medicine and a nervous system regulator. And so I feel like that that was all what came in through that song was the reminder of the animate sweetness that's beyond sort of like fear of the the present like the present existential fears there's this wider scope of time that exists in the in the song of nature and I was really leaning into that with that piece yeah and isn't that the, the case when we go to nature a lot of times with our own worries or fears or even our worries and fears about nature uh that those spirits and those energies tend to be the ones to calm and soothe us even when their lives are in peril. Yeah. Yeah. There's soothing to be found. There's soothing to be found. And yeah, again, I think like a lot of the complexities that we face are Again, what happens when our, when there's dysregulation? There's a lot to be dysregulated about out there, <laughs> and and I I'm just in I'm in a deep study right now of like well, what does nervous system regulation look like as an act of kindness to myself and others and my mind and the role that music has for that the role that toning has with that the role that just being with being with the elements has around that. And I feel like that's the core meditation of a lot of my creative process right now is being with, with that medicine. Yeah. And, and so true. That's in a lot of my work with the spirits of the land, that's what they ask for again and again, when, you know, if I say, what do you need or how can I help? It's oftentimes it's toning. It's a song. It's playing a singing bowl. It's something that seems so simple to us, but is is like this really soothing, healing balm, not just to us, but to everything in our surroundings. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, what are some of the the other the ways that you have noticed that happen and that connection between sound and nature as well? I like that feeling, right? That that quietude that can happen when sort of the chatter of the mind has an opportunity to uh, calm down. And then there's this other quality of listening that can open up um, that for me to get to that quality of listening, there, there usually 
has to be some kind of thing I'm engaging in <laughs> to, and that comes back to this deliberate, dedicated relationship with like, what am I, can I make an offering here, whether it's a sound or a piece of fruit or something that I've made with my hands to, to be in the visceral somatic connection of generosity that like I'm participating in generosity with these elements that have been so generous with me and that there's something in the sweetness of that communion moment that does help soften the chatter so I love to just go outside and yeah make a little song it's just simple make a little tone as a gift thank you and then and then listen and feel the wind respond and feel that sometimes there is just a sweet respond. And I find a lot of soothing bliss, like just that moment of like, ah, quiet can, can change the whole day, <laughs> can change the whole day. So true. And so, and so simple and easy and, and quick for us to do, but that really can shift the environment and, and our own, as you're saying, our own nervous Yeah, I notice that oftentimes when I'm kind of leading groups as well, that people find that they're receiving the message or feeling the energy to share their voice in some way, but they feel shy or nervous about it if that's not something that that they do on a regular basis. And do you Mm. have any suggestions or advice for us as we're, you know, Mm. learning Mm. to share our voice with? the elements and the nature that's around us? I like to start with doing it internally, that right, like starting with humming with a closed mouth into my own body so that I can not necessarily have to bring it up and out yet. (laughs) Sometimes it can be down and in and just even gentle hums to the body and just saying, connecting the sounds to my own body. I like to start there for a while. Uh, that can a bring the nervous system into some more gentle harmony and can create the kind of vagal tone that can feel safer than to bring the sound up and out. Because oftentimes, if people aren't are feeling the nerves to like bring this the sound out, there's some kind of uh, nervous system response that it feels unsafe or it's scary or it's edgy or I'm going to get punished or like I was told it was ugly or like I, you know I can do that that's for someone else or like I really want to but I uh, and like the nervous system will like blah, 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 you know like go on it's it's like a cascade of embodied memories of fear of and it can be very vulnerable you know we're like sharing this thing that's deep inside of us and bringing it up and out Um, that can be a very vulnerable experience to deal with. And and so I I like to encourage people to take their time to be really compassionate with themselves, to notice the the words they're saying, the the self-talk that's arising in response to to wanting to come out and and bring, bring that those voices inward, like a gentle humming and letting that just a hum start to hold those parts and give them some care and love. That's, that's a first, first place to go with that. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is that 
and we can practice very slowly with just one sound out outside of our, our voice um outside you know in, in the wild even if it feels silly and stupid or it's just like this is dumb or this is shaky like let it be shaky let it be weird i almost like to start to encourage people to enjoy the awkwardness uh, rather than being then having a shame shadow crash around like this is awkward this is like I'm scared or I, you know, all these things that can come up like this is bad. Like there's almost like flipping the script a little bit, just like enjoy, like how can you bring joy or some kind of like enjoyment of the awkward beginning enjoyment of like the part of you that feels like, like the embarrassment or the anxiousness, like how could you, rather than frame it with this, the shame that is connected to embarrassment and frame it with the like, wow, there's arousal here. <laughs> like clearly I'm excited. <laughs> like, like this is exciting to me because my, my face is flushed. My heart rate is up, you know, it's really important to me and to, and, and to draw enjoyment from that. And that slowly I find, um, again, if we continue to train our nervous system, that it's safe to bring sound through our body. And we can find a little bit of pleasure in the place where it feels scary, then slowly we we can start to um, set up our, our frame, our orientation to prepare to share ourselves, even though it's scary, to prepare to share ourselves even though it feels new and uncomfortable that, that those, those qualities don't actually have to stop us from doing the thing because they, they, those qualities can be present and we can still be participate. I love that so much. I, I always just try and try and tell myself, you know, if it doesn't, didn't come out the way I <laughs> imagined in my mind that it must have, that must have been exactly what was needed, right? <laughs> I mean, what I was imagining wasn't wasn't what was needed, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like just My a little. Cracked. I didn't take a deep enough breath. <laughs> just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Like I think there's that we're so hard. We're so fixated on things being perfect already and polished and. Um, things just don't work that way. I don't think like any. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the learning process. Enjoy being a beginner. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy the awkwardness. Yeah. It's so interesting whenever I have groups together in person and we're on the land and we're doing a journey together, a, a quiet meditation and, uh, you know, someone will start toning and someone else will start playing their drum or whatnot. And when we compare notes after, usually there'll be somebody who says, well, just really concerned that I was going to disturb somebody else's journey. And I, I wanted to be really quiet or I didn't, wasn't sure if I should, should do anything or say anything. And inevitably it will be, you know, oh, the exact moment you started singing was when something happened in my journey that that complemented perfectly. And I'm so glad you did that. Or uh, someone else will say, I didn't hear anybody singing, right? So it's like, it all kind of comes together in whatever perfect way it's supposed to when we kind of just imperfectly share ourselves in that way. The imperfectly share. And like, that's another funny thing is that we, we 
we want to be good. We want to be, we want to experience ourselves as doing it good or the right way. And like, and there's a lot of concern about how we're appearing to others. And like, uh, like you said, like other people aren't paying attention. (laughs) Right. (laughs) As much as we imagine. Maybe they are a little bit, you know, but like (laughs) if anyone's going to be hyper fixated on the imperfection of someone else's singing tone, like they're tripping out, you know, like (laughs) that's uncomfortable for them already. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and mostly people don't remember or they like they're they're just I think there's a lot more um space for ourselves to release ourselves from the high expectations we have on how we're going to appear for other people or and and what the kind of and and again it's just all fixated into these these kind of old patterns of performing you know these old patterns of being good or doing it right and and getting love by doing it right or being being good and and there's there's some sweetness to the aspiration for excellence you know I'm an artist who has aspiration for excellence I I want to um I I aspire to get all the way inside the creative um thing that I'm doing and and the commit to it wholeheartedly and like let let that be a a path towards creative beauty and excellence. I love that. And if we expect that at the onset, we're setting ourselves up to interrupt the essential process that gets us towards excellence in the first place. It's almost like, oh, I need to be perfect right now, but I wasn't, oh, fuck it, I'll stop forever. And it's just like, well, that's not how excellence is achieved. You know, it's just a funny... It's a funny thing, like we have to start where we are, and there's that again, the invitation to for wholeheartedness and play and relaxing perfectionism, which is easier said than done, but really it's the like encountering the voices that come up when the perfectionist is on alert. It's those parts that want the nourishment of our play the most. And so I always like to just like whatever we can do to play, to to play with the ones in us that are coming forward and give give like the perfectionist something else to do or give the perfectionist the assignment to be perfectly imperfect so that they can have the thing that they want, you know, like. (laughs) Or to just be perfectly quiet. Yeah. (laughs) While the rest of us are having a good time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So funny. And you're so right about people not paying attention to us. I, I, (laughs) nine times out of 10, if I am out in public somewhere with a singing bowl or toning or doing something, no one says a word. People walk right past me. And the one in 10 that you usually say, are you going to play that <laughs> when they see it sitting next to me? So I, <laughs> you know, people, people enjoy hearing those things, even uh, in whatever you know way we are sharing our gifts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, on a, on a bit of a different note, you know, there you're in this position of being a professional artists, professional creatives, however you want to look at that. And, you know, I think there's a real push-pull. I, I suppose there probably always has been in, in all different times. But, you know, certainly in this culture of social media where you feel, you know, could feel compelled to perform and create 
on schedule, on calendar, um, versus really kind of working within the ebb and flow of your own cycles. And I'm just kind of curious how you find a balance um, <laughs> in this world. <laughs> I am constantly balancing that. And I always have been since I was a child, you know, there was always, I haven't, I've never just created when I felt like it. I've always created even when I didn't feel like it. Um, That was just part of being in school. You know, you're in, you're in piano class today. I don't want to do fucking piano today. Well, here we are. You know, like, oh, we're in theater. We're in choir again today. Oh, I don't want to be in choir today. Well, too bad. It's on, it's on the schedule. Like as an artist and development, even at school, it was never just when I wanted to. So I think I have a relationship with being willing to make art, even when I don't feel like it. And schedules help me. You know, they just, they do. Um, and I would rather make schedule. I'd rather personally make art on a schedule, even when I don't feel like it as the thing I'm complaining about, than not being organized in my system, like not being disorganized and making art haphazardly. Um, I would rather have the problem of that I have, you know, and like, cause it's always a challenge <laughs> in some like thing. And I think that there's times when I need to unplug from this, ca- the calendars that I build. And I do all the time. Like, I think I have this relationship with my calendar where, because I am in charge, I have the things on the calendar and then I'm allowed to change my mind. You know, if, if it's not working, then I pivot. And if I recognize that I'm getting burnt out by the calendar that I've created, I make a plan to, 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 to process my burnout. Um, and a lot, one of the ways that I process it now is to, I definitely take a lot of time offline, not a lot, but I make scheduled offline retreats so that I can be in creative flow without being on the internet because the internet does is a create it can be a creativity killer and that's I think a contemporary problem for humans in general um, not just artists I think it's just one of the big (laughs) challenges that we have Um, but I think every generation has challenges that we're dealing with I think that um, there are so many gifts that have come to me as a professional artist as a as a result of things like social media and the tools available on the internet that are amazing. And there's challenges that come with that in terms of the the way it's set up to uh, co-opt attention. And so it feels more like I am in a relationship with having my attention be mine, (laughs) which is the big struggle. I think, yeah, again, contemporary struggle of, of modern artists and creators. Um, and, and again, the way that I frame that is that there's always been a problem that create creators are having to negotiate with. <laughs> and it's not there. There's not some like golden era. I don't believe in some golden era where artists could just make art exactly the way they wanted to. And it was perfect. And they were funded to do so. I mean, like even the artists in the middle, you know, middle ages or the Renaissance era is like the only artists that we really know about. We know about their art because they were 
paid to make art in the castles, but they only got to do what they wanted to do like a percentage of the time. The rest of the time they had to like paint fucking portraits of the royalty, you know, like so I don't think right. <laughs> they still had a job. <laughs> exactly. So so I there's there is um so but I also can t- I can n- notice where yeah, it's challenging to make art on a schedule, but it's also, again, for me, it's essential to make art on a schedule. I don't have a, I, I, like I said before, I would rather be irritated with my schedule that I have deliberately set up to stay focused on art. I'd rather be annoyed with that than feeling and like annoyed with myself that I'm not able to like galvanize the energy to make art whatsoever and I I think that it doesn't have to be it's not either or I think there are people who can just like be in the creative flow but um maybe I don't know like I think every 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 artist has their own like Elizabeth Gilbert said in her amazing book Big Magic every artist has their own shit sandwich there's the like like well over here I'm like free and I don't have a calendar and I'm like doing this thing and it's just like well but then what are the other things that that that's gonna have problems as well and then there's the problems of like oh I need a job like there's this she has a great story she's just like the artist that like doesn't have money and so they like have to work the side job and can only make work on art on the weekends and they just like oh I wish I could just have all this money or I wish I could be paid for my art and then you have the artists that are getting paid for their art but they're like making art for for other people and they're like oh I wish I wasn't making art for other people I wish I was only making art for myself and then you have artists that are making art for themselves but like oh my calendar's so full and like I'm I'm like stuck in this time like I, I think that there's it's just funny I think that humans naturally complain about anything they will just find a problem with anything (laughs) they will just find the thing that sucks about whatever it is that they're doing because they know it could be better and I think that that's just an insatiable aspect of being human we always want to improve our process we always want it to be better than it is we always want more than we have (laughs) you know like I think it's really hard to be content as an art as a human and I think artists naturally have a divine discontentment that is a motivating factor for the creative process and so I think the way that I deal with that is with a good sense of humor and I occasionally crash and I occasionally have to redirect my energies and and break up whatever pattern I'm in in order to get a fresh view. And then I'm fresh for a while. And then, you know, I fucking entropy comes in again and I have to like like reset. And um, I think I've accepted that that comes with the territory. Yeah, it's probably the best place to be in because I think I think you're right. Like we're always fantasizing that somebody else's situation is somehow more ideal than the one that we're in. No, because you might. Yeah, you might be like have all of your bills paid, and you finally have like set up your like perfect artist studio, and like you're making the album of your dreams, and you're like, this is amazing. But then like there's problems like in the studio like the gear's not working right and like right. you're you're like whatever it is there's always gonna be something to be annoyed at <laughs> <laughs>
are kind of annoying as a species, aren't we? <laughs> We're so cute. I mean, I think our my, our brains are designed to look for the for the threat and build a story on how to defeat the threat. And so I think that that's that's that comes with the territory of the, of these brains, and. And I think that it can be really useful to know that, to, again, have enough sort of awareness of the mechanisms in the mind that create problems. And that that ultimately, for any creative being, to have agency in collaboration with the creative process, if you know that your brain is looking for the problems <laughs> and like you're aware that that's happening, then the problems aren't as scary as we might think they are when we don't know that we're, we're looking for them specifically to keep ourselves safe and to have, and like, I think looking for problems isn't a bad thing. Like I'm not saying don't like stop looking for the problem and everything will be okay. Like, no, it's like our brain is where we're, we're designed to compute and process information and look for more efficient strategies. And I think that that is something really beautiful about human beings that, and it can get co-opted by fear and it can get co-opted by um, and for dysregulated, it can really amplify the pain that is, is connected to the problems that we're finding and looking really hard for in between the th- cracks of everything. But it can also make for great art, you know, like, if you're really, like, has, like what's the process of, of engaging with when we're doing that with if we're, we're recognizing like, oh, shit, I'm in problem orientation again. How do I get myself into open orientation so that I can again, like be, it comes back to like being regulating my nervous system, letting myself be in the greater field of energy and gratitude and and vision and purpose. So that these things that I'm noticing that, that I am having ideas about that could be more beautiful and life-giving, that then I have a way to, to participate with my beautiful little life in and contributing to resolving that problem or, or result or singing as, you know, doing, doing what I want in relationship to that. I love that. Well, in addition to your singing and your songwriting, uh, you also help other people tap into their creativity as well. So can you share a little bit about the Temple of the Muse? Yeah, Temple of the Muse is my online and sometimes in-person um, learning uh, space where I have a background in music therapy and creative process and exploring um, creativity as a bridge for learning about ourselves, developing our spirituality, connecting to more of our human heart and so in Temple of Mia's, I work in various different um, spaces and, and invite people into different kinds of journeys with me, short form or long form, where we work with the voice and songwriting and sometimes different maps of consciousness and maps of self-knowledge um, to play to get into creative play and working really with creativity as a path of of development and unfolding the gift of our lives. And so my, my big offering within Temple of the Muse is 
Voice of My Womb, The Rose Petal Path, which is a nine-month muse devotion for women that is cultivating the vessel of the voice. It's developing the voice womb connection and relationship. It's working with songwriting as a path of soul craft. And it's really a space for women who want to deepen into the some of the beautiful mystical understandings of the womb, of rites of passage, of rites of passage over a lifetime and and play inside of opening their voice, strengthening their power to their vessel and working again with song as a way to document their journey of unfolding within these sacred rites of passage. And so we start that journey in October. Um, I'll be doing one nine-month session this coming year, and then I'll probably be taking a break um, from offering that container. We're going to go to Greece and go to the land of the oracles and the muses, and it's going to be a really amazing adventure. I've been teaching that for, oh gosh, eight years now, Voice of My Womb, and it's been such a journey of working with hundreds of women to to see hundreds of women step into more power and knowledge and and um, yeah connection with their body, with their voice, with their expression, with their creativity. It's just such a fun place to such a fun playground. It sounds magical, especially visiting the lands of the world. Yeah. <laughs> well. As we wrap up here, if you could just share with everyone where they can connect with you, find you online, find your music, and find all of your magical offerings. Yeah, thank you. Well, if you come to templeofthemuse.com, you can find all of the pathways to my work and to my music. Also, if you look me up, Maria Stark, on any of the platforms, you'll find my art. I have my website, maria-stark.com, that has the the holding of the, the the library and the museum of all my art. But you can come find my music videos on YouTube. All my songs are on all streaming platforms. And um, and I'd love to hang out with you where you are in all of the virtual realms. Well, thank you, Maria, so much for being here today and sharing all of your wisdom with us. And mm-hmm. we just love having you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me and sending you and yours. So much love and creativity and upliftment and thank you again for welcoming me here to share my thoughts on all my favorite things sending my deepest gratitude to maria for this discussion and i hope it sparked something in you to share your love with the natural world through sound i encourage you to get outside today to hum to a flower or play a singing bowl for a tree or share the song of the land with anyone who can hear you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you think these ideas are worth spreading, I hope you'll share it with others. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And thanks for being here on the earth at this moment in time. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, 
go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.